are listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. We're in our uh, our Essentials uh, series, and uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about the, the Trinity uh, as an essential. It's something that separates us uh, from other faiths and uh, how we view uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so... I'm going to do my best to uh, to attempt to to share uh, that mystery of faith with you. Um, let me ask you this: How many folks last week took the 12 minute challenge that I put out to you? Anybody take the 12 minute challenge last week? Right on. And if you missed it last week, the yep, saw you there. Cool. If you missed it last week. You're challenged that if you spent 12 minutes in your Bible every day, 12 whole minutes, you would read through your entire Bible in one year. And if that was too big of one, just take a swing at it. If you spent six whole minutes every day, you would read through the entire New Testament in six months. And so we're going to continue to challenge you, to equip you, to, you know, the, the stuff is here. The information is available. It's all there. You just have to choose to access it. There's no uh, special, special things that are uh, happening that we can do anything better than what God has already provided and my job is to model that and to just try and encourage that and journey with you as we journey together. And so I'm just going to continue to challenge you guys to do that as well uh, this week as we move forward. So we've been in our essential series. I'm not going to review everything. Uh, it's all online. And we're going through, like, what is essential? What is essential as we walk in our Christian faith? I got a lot of weird looks when I said I was going to be preaching on the Trinity. I got a lot of, like, ooh. Are you sure? Well, sure? Of course I'm sure. I can, I can dive into this. We can, we can do that. I'll read the books and listen to the other sermons and see what all the experts have to say about this, and I'm sure I could distill it all down and make it awesome. That's what I thought. Um, <clears throat> and my voice, by the way, is a little worn out. Let me tell you why. Because we had some significant amount of volleyball this last week for my daughter as a senior, and they were at the state game and they needed me to cheer to help them get to fourth place. And so I was part of the sportsmanship award, I like to say. Um, but yesterday, I had to tone it down because I went Because a lot of times, see, they don't know what to do when they're playing volleyball unless they hear it from me in the stands. Because their coach, you know, she only played at Eastern and, you know, just been working with them. But they need to hear me. And so yesterday, uh, there was a, a gal on the other team who was 6'6". She was pretty good. She did this. Um, and... Uh, Anyway, yesterday I was cheering. I had been cheering really hard on Friday, and I got my tea up here just in case I fail. And yesterday, they needed to know that they should block. They weren't sure, but they needed me. And I did something like this, block! I screamed, like, really loud, but it went sideways. Like, it was like a little, like, a, a six-year-old girl screamed out of my body, and I was like, oh, no. I better tone this down. And that's probably why they lost is because I toned it down because I couldn't scream because I knew I was going to preach. No, that's not why they lost. But um, You can't teach 6'6". Six, six. You just can't teach that. So anyway, this is me uh, muscling through my over-cheering for my daughter. Um, when I think about this idea of Trinity and I started to research it more, um, it's pretty common where like, yes, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and 
And I started re- researching that, listened to some books, listened to some sermons on it, listened to some people that I highly respect with lots of letters after the name disagree about stuff and started researching. And I'm in like the deep thralls of this. And I realized I was in more and more trouble the deeper I researched. I was like, oh no, this is going sideways. And not going sideways because there's not good stuff. It's just like, I can't figure out where people are landing on this and where I'm supposed to land on this. And it was one of those things where you look at God's word and you're like, there is some mystery here. Lord, reveal, tell me what you want your people to know about you and what you want them to know about the Trinity. And like, what do you want for this body? Because Josh Gray is not going to have it all figured out. So I'll let you know what I understood the best that I can. I want to start with some foundational pieces about what our church believes so you have a, a, a core, core piece of how we look at things, okay? The first thing is about God, and this is in our partnership class, and some of you uh, have studied this document extensively and researched it and had no questions at all when I taught it, and I have no idea why you don't, because there's lots of stuff to think about in here. So about God, this is what our church believes about God, that God is the creator and ruler of the universe. He has eternally existed in three persons. Now, that's weird if you stop and think about it. In three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are co-equal and are one God. Because you know one plus one plus one equals one. That's not right. Little guy's like, that's not right. That's not the way it works. So when we talk about, like, what do we believe about God and we have some biblical references that you would see if you were in our, our partnership class. And now we have this, we move down to this next thing. We talk about, well, what about the Father? Well, didn't we just talk about God? Well, now we have this about the Father. And so we believe uh, that God, the Father, holds all the attributes of God while exercising a unique role in the Godhead. So he is the Father of Jesus Christ uh, by the power of of the Holy Spirit, and yet still one with both, both as God. God the Father adopts believers in Jesus Christ into a relationship with him as the Father. Make sense? See where I'm at? See where I'm going? No. Okay. Yeah, okay. We can kind of get there. Okay. Let's talk about the Son. About the Son. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is co-equal with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Jesus lived a sinless human life and offered himself as a perfect sacrifice for the sins of all people by dying on the cross. He rose from the dead and after three days to demonstrate his power over sin and death. He ascended to heaven's glory and will return again someday to claim his own and take them to that same heaven. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is co-equal with the Father and the Son. He is present in the world to make men aware of their need for Jesus Christ. He also lives in every Christian from the moment of salvation. He provides the Christian with the power for living, understanding of spiritual truth, guidance in doing what is right, and is our intercessor. And as Christians, we seek to live under his control daily. So we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And as I was diving into this this week and, and, and moving through and learning about modalism and learning about Arianism and all of these other isms and uh, all these different, different ways that people would look at this, 
I kept asking, I'm like, God, like, what do you want us to know? What do you want us to know? And the overwhelming repeating theme that I kept getting for me, so maybe it's for you, but the overwhelming repeating theme that I kept getting this week is he says, Josh, as your creator, I know what you need. I'm like, well, that's pretty simple. Yeah, he's like, yeah, let me tell you again. Josh, as your creator, real life as your creator, people sitting in this chairs as God, your, heaven, your heavenly father, your creator, he knows what you need. I want you to be thinking about that through this sermon, that God knows what you need. There's all kinds of examples of how the Trinity has been explained, and it feels like every analogy falls short. You can punch holes in every analogy as you go through it. So you have, you have the, the water, ice, and steam. You see water, is, 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 it can be in three different forms. It can be ice, it can be steam, or it can be water, but it's still water, right? If somebody dumps a bucket of water on your head, it's water. If somebody dumps a bucket of ice on your head, it hurts. If somebody uh, uh, puts you over a steam bath, you would have beautiful skin. No. Um, but like, wait, it changes these forms. So this idea of like, well, okay, well, God, just, he, just, he just changes and he does all these things. How about this? The egg analogy. You have the shell. And then you have the yolk. And then you have the egg white. And see, it's still an egg, but it's got these three different parts to it. How about you as an individual? So I am a father. I'm a creator. I created my children with my wife. Right? So I'm a father. I'm also a son. I was created. I was created by some, somebody else, but I hold the title of son. I'm also a spouse. I'm also uh, Mrs. Gray's uh, other half. Right? So I'm these three. I have these different identities and these roles, but I'm still Josh. But all of the analogies keep falling short. So why is it important to take a swing and take a stab and not be afraid to try and understand what God has for you? Are we as, as things are revealed and as and these are scholars for years and years and years have been debating this. You go to the Council of Nicaea in 325 and then 60 years later, the other smart people in 381 are in Constant, Constantinople, which is today Istanbul, and they're debating what they talked about in 325 and the Nicene Creed. And there's this and there's that. And all of these folks, that this is like their life. This isn't a casual like study for them. This is what they do. And they're coming together and going like, okay, okay, how do we explain this? How do we explain this over the history of time? But if we want to know more about God, it's important to know what he's like. And his text would, would lead us to, to understanding different things about him as you read through his text in your 12 minutes a day or your six minutes a day, whichever program you decided to participate in, unless you're on a higher level program than that. Um, you come across things that you have to stop and ask questions about. The Trinity... Is one God and three persons the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Equal and eternal, worthy of equal praise and worship, yet they, uh, they, uh, they act in unity and they make up the one true God of the Bible. One in essence, one essence and three persons. 
to the word Trinity is not in the Bible. It's something that man has come up to create to try and help us understand this idea of these three gods because we got confused when we read the text. Well, I got confused. Maybe you didn't. Why the three persons? One God and three persons. Why the three persons? Person kind of means that there's a relationship. And so the person of God, the creator, when you go outside and you look at his creation, or if you looked at the northern lights last night, or you went outside and you saw things, you had to acknowledge there was a creator. And you look up and you wonder about this creator. You wonder what, what, like, how did you do that? Like, let's figure this out. How did he do it? And so it, it denotes that there's a relationship that would need to happen when, there's, when you talk about three persons or three essences of God, that you don't have a relationship with God the Father. Remember, your Father knows what you need. And he knew that you needed a relationship with the Creator, God. So co-equal, co-eternal, the Father. We see this at the very beginning in Genesis, Genesis 18, 1. It says, The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. The Lord, God the Father, appeared to Abraham as a father. I didn't miss this last week when we were talking about uh, in first uh, in James 1, 17. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly light. Who does not change like shifting to coming down from the Father. In Exodus, God appears in a burning bush. He appears as a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. God appeared as a whisper to Elijah and in visions to other prophets. God the Father. You have this idea of God the Son. That God became man and came down here and lived a sinless life. Why did he do that? Why does that make sense? Why does it not make sense? Matthew one twenty two. all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said. Through the prophet, a virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Your father knows what you need. He knew that you and I needed a savior. He knew that you and I needed him to come down in flesh and show us how to have that relationship in the proper way. What did he show us how to do? He showed us how to pray. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He showed us how to worship. He came down and he modeled for us. Have you ever modeled anything for your kids? You're like, yeah, I have. Whoops. Good and bad. As a father or a mother, do you feel like sometimes you know what your children need? Whether they can understand it or not? And if we're created in his image, do you think that our father believes that he knows what we need? And as he's revealing those things to us and providing a way for us, he provided us the son, a savior. 
So it means that God is with us. There's this idea of uh, kenosis, and it's actually the word that's used in uh, Philippians 2.7. And it's the self-emptying of Jesus, his own will, and becoming entirely receptive to the divine will of God. I want to read to you from Philippians 2.7. Uh, Who, being in, very nature, in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Wait a minute. He's equal with God, but he didn't want to use that to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself kenosis. He made himself nothing. He emptied himself out by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. As you read that text, you should have questions in there. Well, wait a minute. That's interesting. You didn't want to take the advantage of being equal to the Father. You emptied yourself out here on earth. Interesting. I have more questions than answers, just in case you guys are curious. So as a man, what did Jesus teach us about the Father? He taught us how to pray. He taught us how to relate. That life is not about our will, but about participation. Whose will? His will be done. We're not, this God isn't here just to like, well, let me just give you everything that you want and you think that you need all the time. No, how about his will be done? How about the model of the son emptying himself out? Should we empty ourselves out? He taught us to, to, be, to how to submit. But yet, still, God and Jesus are equal. John 10, 30, I'm just going to go from 27. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Revelation, this is Jesus talking, Revelation very end, 22.13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, right? The first and the last, the beginning and the end. The Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is the Ruah. Say Ruah. Ruah. It's kind of fun to say. It's the resemblance of breath. The breath of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are the breath of God. Well, when did the Holy Spirit enter into the game? Well, when he said that he would leave a great advocate, a comforter, a counselor for us when Jesus was risen up as, 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 a, as an idea. But I was stuck in Genesis 1 again. At the very beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless uh, and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. Are we saying that the Spirit of God was here at the very beginning, like the first verse? 
Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Whoa. I thought, like, you're just the creator God. But why are you saying us and our? Who are you talking about? Who's with you? Holy Spirit, in Revelation twenty two seventeen, going first, first to last, last to first, beginning to end, the Spirit and the bride say, come. The Spirit and the bride say, come. And let no one who hears, let, and let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come. Water of life, the Spirit. You see, God knows what you and I need. He knows that we are looking at creation and knowing that there's a creator and we want to have a relationship with a creator God. He created us to create and steward and take care of things. We are made in his image. And also, God would see us and he knew what I was going to be like. He knew that I was going to be a mess of a human being. He knew that I was going to sin spectacularly. And that I wasn't going to be able to, to move on unless I understood what the Savior was like and that he would give me a Savior that I could accept. And when I did that and I accepted him as my Lord and Savior and I received this gift called the Holy Spirit, the comforter, to walk with me, to help me correct in my future mistakes that I'm excited to think about making in the future and to be corrected. God knows what you need. And you needed a triune God. And I needed a triune God. I needed God the Father. I needed God the Son. And I needed God the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't understand, I pretend to understand it. And I could give you all the books that I read and the sermons I watched and all those other things and feel like I've got it all figured out. I don't. I have, I'm on a journey. I have more questions. I have a lot more questions than I do answers about this subject. But the point is that God knows what I need. And he knows that I needed to be on that journey. And I can give that journey to you guys as well. Because it is what makes us different from other faiths. Even other faiths that are claimed to be Christian-ish. They want to acknowledge Jesus as God. They want to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. I found this interesting Exodus 20, and God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now, what's interesting about this is the language of this. That's what's interesting, and I am no language expert, but as I started doing more research into this, I was like, wait a minute. So here we are in Exodus Exodus again. I am the Lord... And Lord is singular, your God, right? We talk about the Shema, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone, one God, right? He says, I, I am the Lord, 
your God. You know what the word for God there is? It's Elohim and it's plural. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, time out. Let me research this. Are you sure this is plural? It's plural. I am the Lord, your God. The Lord, your God, plural. Not multiple gods, but the essence of God, the, the persons of God. I found that interesting as I dove into there and seeing this. And I guess, guys, I'm just going to tell you, I'm on the journey. It's essential that we acknowledge God the Father. It's essential that we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And it's essential to walk with the Holy Spirit because your Father in Heaven knows exactly what you need. So as we uh, take this time, we're going to go to the Son in communion and we'll have our folks pass out communion. Um, but I want to let God just work through this room and the, God, the, God the, uh, the Holy Spirit work through this room as we're here today and just reveal, to, reveal some things. Has God, let me ask you some questions here for you to think about. I want you to be introspective as we come to communion today. We know God is working. We sing about these songs, even if, even if we don't see that you're working. We know God is working. How has God revealed himself to you this week? Was it about his creation? Did you go and watch a sunset? Did you go out and see what he's developed? And could you sit back and look at his creation and be like, I am mesmerized. I am wowed by you. You, God, the Father, God, the creator, you. You are so, 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 so worth worshiping. Not just because my eyes see these things, but because you are my Father in heaven and you saw exactly what I needed. Anybody feel like they sinned this week? That would be mostly everybody probably, except for a couple of you special people. I did some pretty good sinning this week. And you know what that helped me acknowledge? Not that I wanted to sin. Because I had a need for a savior. Just as we were singing, I was in the back right corner back there, and I was just like, Lord, forgive me again as I come to you again in forgiveness. And I felt like, Paul, like, why do I do the things that I know I not ought to do and don't do the things that I know that I should? But my God knew that I needed a Savior. He provided that. How about the Holy Spirit? Do you have a relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit? Did you hear from the Holy Spirit this week in your walk? Is it something you're listening for or listening to? The Holy Spirit is that that voice that's guiding you. When you're about to make that spectacularly wrong decision and you know that you're not supposed to do it, you're not by yourself. There's the Holy Spirit's there is like, hey, I'm with you. Let's not. And then when I mess up anyway, because I didn't listen to the Holy Spirit, I come back to the Savior, and then I praise God for his creation. 
we have a good God. There's a great long research Stanford philosophy paper if you'd like some sleeping time uh, in the bottom of your sermon notes and you can go look at that. It's very long. It talks to you about all of the ideas about the Trinity by some of the smartest people. There's a book in there that I've been reading and this guy studied all the other books that were written about the Trinity and it's a great book. You know, at the end of the day, you know what? My father knows what I need. And I needed the triune God, even if I can't explain it. So let's come to God and be grateful. Let's come to God the Father and be grateful. Let's come to the Son. And let's listen to the Holy Spirit this week. So, the night, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took this uh, this bread and he broke it. And when he had given thanks, he said, he said, this is my body. This is for you. You're going to need it. So when you do need it, remember, remember what it's for. And to do this in remembrance of him, let's remember. In the same way, after our supper, he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this. Do this. You're going to need it. Whenever you drink of it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are going to proclaim the Lord's death. The whose death? The Lord's death until he comes again. Let's proclaim it. Father God, I just... um, ask, Lord, that you would just keep us curious. You would keep us curious about you. That you are not a puzzle that is to be solved. You are a God that is to be worshipped. You are a God that is created. You created the curiosity in us to want to seek you and yet you're a father who knows exactly what his people need and we praise you God that you gave us a savior we praise you that you give us the opportunity to let him be lord over our life and we praise you that you didn't just leave us after that you left us with a wise counselor a great advocate the Holy Spirit that's active in every single one of us that's there to give us wisdom, to prompt us. Father, I just ask that you would just move. You would move in this place. Move us to be more about your will and your purposes and what you care about. That your will would be done in our families that your will would be done in our workplace, that your will would be done in our communities and neighborhoods, that your will would be done in the cities that we live in, that you would keep expanding and that enough people that are chasing you and submitting their needs and their desires and the me's and my's, we're moving that over. We come to you as a servant 
Lord, we come to you in kenosis. We're going to empty ourselves like you model for us as you, uh, with your son. So, Lord, draw us towards your will. Lead us from selfishness and selfish ambitions and draw us to your purposes and your plan and let us hear. Let us hear from the Holy Spirit. Let us acknowledge Jesus as our Savior and let us worship you as creator. You are so worth it. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.